0: You're listening to Simpler One Earth Living from Jubilee One Earth Economics and Simple Living Works with co-hosts Lee Van Ham and Jerry Iverson. Usually when we talk about money and faith, we talk about philanthropy or using some of our discretionary money to donate to congregations or other organizations. But what happens when faith holds all of our money accountable, not just our discretionary money? And conversely, how does our money affect our beliefs? Do we accommodate our beliefs to account for what we are doing with our money? Stay with us for a conversation with Mike Little, the Director of Faith and Money Network in Washington, D.C. You're sure to be stimulated to look at how you align your faith and money. Greetings, Lee, from Pastor Robles, California, and Simple Living Works. I greet you, Jerry, from San Diego
1: and Jubilee One Earth Economics. Well, once again, we have an important podcast episode, and it's a conversation that we learn from and are just eager to share with listeners. So please, listeners, promote this important conversation to others. That would be a lot of fun to have you doing that. Uh, I I became quite involved in uh, the organization that's part of uh, this episode that Mike Little now directs. Uh, I became involved before he was the director. Uh, It was uh, still in its earlier uh, name of Ministry of Money. By my involvement, I learned so much. So let me give you just one example. Working with money helped me to take money out of its secrecy and raise it up for transparent examination. Instead of treating money like a taboo that can't be talked about except in general terms, I learned that only by bringing it out of the closet can I deal with its powers over me. I'd like to share just two financial amounts that facilitate growth in my consciousness and spiritual direction. One, household income. Ours is just over $50,000 annually. And two, sharing our accumulated wealth. Ours is a little less than 500000 plus equity in a house. So these two amounts, which are gen- you often talked about in only general terms, uh, really open up lots of new conversation. And you can see right away that our household is in the top 10%, as is every household with more than $38,000 of annual income. When a group of people share this kind of information, it facilitates lots of discussion, lots of learning, and almost certainly a change in life choices. That's the power of money, as I learned it through Faith and Money Network. Well, you may take away other important thoughts as you listen to the conversation I had with Mike Little, Director of Faith and Money Network. So let's go now to that previously recorded conversation. Well, I'm happy today to, to welcome Mike Little into this conversation for the Simpler One Earth Living podcast. Um, Mike and I have known each other uh, a little bit for a number of years, I can't remember just how many. It's it's probably about as many as you've been the director of Faith and um, Money Network. How long is that, Mike?
2: Yeah, 13, 14 years, yeah. Really? Yeah, it goes fast. Uh,
1: My heavy involvement with uh, Faith and Money Network was actually in its sort of predecessor when it was called Ministry of Money. and At that time, I learned so much, Mike. About the whole idea of the relationship of working with our money, uh, you know, breaking, bringing it out of its sort of taboo status for many people, where they can't name amounts and some of those kinds of things, and and then um, where I was in a congregation at that time, so seeing it as something more than more than uh, to, to talk about at other times and in different ways than just a stewardship campaign. Uh, so which is a you know if you do that if that's the only time a congregation talks about money you're really not talking about money uh as you well know so those are some of the things that <clears throat> really impacted me and 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 schooled me and mentored me uh and then uh personally i i embrace the new name that you've given i it's uh it says a lot right there and i don't know can you remember any of the ways you and i've been collaborating a little bit at least staying in touch
2: <clears throat> well I know that uh um I was introduced to you when I first got uh took took the took the job uh, with the your you had a study guide um that that uh, jubilee was using and we we connected about that um, we connected over the um you know later on the the uh, Jubilee circles that, that you're doing mm-hmm. and, um, you know, having friends in, and uh, some of our board members, good friends with you. So we've stayed in touch in uh, that way. Uh, and then, of course, most recently, the um, the manager idea and, and focus, um, we've shared a lot about that.
1: Yeah. Do, do you want to say a little bit about, About that, since we're talking about it, because our listeners might say manager.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And why? Why did that? You know, (laughs) I mean, that could take a half an hour right there. But without, yeah,
2: could it? Could but I'll, I'll, you know, it is probably the. It's our go-to scripture. At least it is for me as I'm talking with people, Um, and uh, as you know, Lee that. You, you were probably taught the way I was in Sunday school with a felt board, and it was all about uh, a miracle. Of, and on, uh, in a lot of ways, there, there's some miracle to it, but it's really a, a story about can God's people follow instructions? And uh, the very first lesson outside of uh, slavery in, in Egypt was an economic lesson. All right. And they were out in the wilderness, and uh, you know they were they were dancing with their freedom for about two days, and then they wanted to go back mm-hmm. because they were, you know, uh, as you know the story in Exodus 16. And um, so Moses uh, did some some haggling with God, and God said, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, get you some food, and uh, but you need to." St- I want to see if you can follow instructions Uh, take what you need take you know each tent each take what you need not anymore Um, don't store it up because if you do it's going to rot and I'm going to give you enough on you know on the day before Sabbath so you can gather for both days because I don't want you doing anything on on Sabbath other than worshiping being with me and being with one another let the land rest it's not some little you know we're not going to um, golf on on Sundays. It, it it was a it was a uh, everybody rest the land the the animals, uh, and um, it's it's a wonderful um, a lesson on economics. And of course, uh, just as uh, some did back then, they didn't trust. They they fell back into the old pharaoh uh, economy, and they started hoarding it. And sure enough, it started to stink and. And it's pretty easy to look around our, at least the United States, and to see how our economy really stinks uh, for everybody except for the top few percent.
1: And it stinks for them, but they don't know it. Yeah, uh, that's, that's well, exactly. I don't know. That's one way to say it. But it, it, you know, and I was intrigued as I as I've read that story. Uh, just two points I'll make about it, since uh, our two organizations through through Paul Taylor, really a board member. Um, with Faith and Money Network, have come into this idea uh, that this, a jar of manna, was to be part of the Ark of the Covenant. And right. that, that scripture struck Paul so much that he said, So, why, why don't we have manna jars as part of our symbolism in our places of worship and in our lives? You know, it's just absent. And, and it's such a powerful symbol of, of, of an economy of sufficiency and of enough instead of an economy of just going crazy with uh, hyper hyper amounts of capital and all. And um, so that that was one s- significant question that uh, I think now you and I are a- and others working, that we work with in organizations are trying to find out, uh, do, do people hear that question? Do people see the value of this symbol? And, and it intrigued me too in this story, you know, this word manna, basically it's a hebrew word uh for what is it uh so in this new paradigm in this new environment people didn't at first recognize the resources that are that are there which i think is so revelatory also of what happens today where in so many places we don't recognize the resources that uh, are are with us and so we go looking for the resources of the economy that is only working for a few, uh, yeah. so it's a powerful story, and I'm I'm glad we're collaborating with this. And maybe some of our listeners will wanna will want to get a mana jar, either for themselves, for the worship center, for a class or group they lead. And um, well, you can email uh, Mike or me, and we can uh, tell you more about that. But that's, that's uh, right. let, let's move on to some other things here. Sure. Um, I just want to say that that this new name, well, it's not new anymore. You've been, been using it for years, but uh, faith and money network. Uh, just linking money to faith is a really radical position for lots of people. Uh, and the only way that they link it, as I mentioned before, is, well, I'll give this much. But if you start linking, if you start saying, Faith needs to address all of money's uses
2: yeah so how would you come how
1: you come to that how are you how are you fleshing that out Mike
2: well I think it's it is for some a place to start, and you know people come to us uh, at different starting places and, and that's okay um, but we want to uh, um, not just ask how much Uh, should we give Um, but how much should we keep Mm -hmm. which is a much harder question as you know Uh, and uh, when I'm talking places and bring that up I would bet half of the folks check out um, because it's it's too uncomfortable Mm -hmm. but there are plenty of people that that realize that um, our economy is uh, uh, not working for 90-95 percent of our community you know money and good property are flowing to the top mm-hmm. uh continue to flow to the top and it's it's the story of i mean you know it's a story of of uh of the bible uh too if you look through from the beginning to end uh, kind of this extra- extraction predatory economy comes in and um god responds uh with a more as walter bruggeman calls a neighborly economy mm. so you know Pharaoh and then and then Moses and the ten commandments and and uh moving into to the man story uh Solomon was all about the gold mm-hmm. and uh the prophets the seventh and eighth century prophets came in as a response and um the roman empire and and uh jesus came to to talk about what it means to be i, I love that idea of of kingdom economy as a neighborhood a neighborhood mm-hmm. economy how can we how can we move towards that? And if anybody's paying attention, I think they they know that things are not working for yeah. for most of us. And um, but we we try to offer a a a place for people to drop in wherever they are. So some folks might uh start with us and say, I'm I'm new to this conversation, what do you do? And we have a you know, our kind of signature pieces of money autobiography. What what's your relationship to money? How did what did you learn from your parents or guardians or whoever you grew up with? And what are you doing now that you swore you'd never do? And and uh what's the balance between my giving and receiving? Some of us it's hard to receive because mm. uh, we want to be in control all the time, you know, all those kind of things. Or um we're we're soon going to have a a a generosity assessment tool on our on our website Mm -hmm. uh, one of our board members so just just kind of look at your you know that first step often is just what how am i doing what what's my relationship to money um for so for some people that's you know uh they're new to that we have a an online study guide because we know we can't do this work alone we need others and so um, we started last year. We had over 50 people in uh, groups of eight or nine. Uh, we're doing it now. And we're working with a six-week study guide that just kind of opens up these conversations. Of We bring out the manna story and the, the myth of scarcity and um, Sabbath economics, Chad Meyer's work. And, um, uh, you know, and some is, of our...
1: Yeah, I mean, you're gliding over some of these... Loaded terms very quickly, which is fine for the conversation between the two of us, in a sense. But I'm thinking uh, for listeners something like the myth of scarcity. You know, I, I, I've been told I, I haven't I haven't been in in economics classes, but I've been told that you know basic economics starts off uh, teaching the myth of scarcity that there's only this much. Uh, supply and the demand always exceeds the supply, and so therefore we have to allocate these resources. and And so, what does Brueggemann say about that? Walter Brueggemann, by the way, is an Old Testament scholar that has really addressed yeah. these issues.
2: Yeah, he used to do retreats for us back in the day, and uh, we've learned so much from him and and our our wider community as well. Uh, he he wrote a signature piece in the in the nineties of uh, just kind of. Beginning with the, uh, you know, you say the first forty-seven verses of of the Bible are all about the abundance that God has created for us, and and it's not until um, Pharaoh uh, that we don't often read about this Pharaoh in, in Genesis has a dream of scarcity. It's the mm-hmm. first time kind of scarcity is is in our in our scriptures, mm. and uh, he doesn't know how to interpret his dream. He had this crazy dream that. Uh, skinny cows are eating fat cows and lean stalks of wheat are eating fat stalks a week and, and wheat and he gets scared and so he finds somebody uh, Joseph um, to come in and interpret his dreams and Joseph says well you know we're gonna we're in a famine and you better store up stuff and why don't you make me your food are, and mm-hmm. I'll figure out how to you know how to uh, make sure you have what you need and it's so ironic right that the people with the most have dreams of scarcity, mm, okay. uh, and that still, you know, still the case uh, at least that I've I've run into with folks. Yeah. So the story goes on from there, and it leads into the to you know that's how uh, they bec- they came in slavery in the first place. It was an economic transaction. Yeah. Because um, they but, they didn't, there was a famine. So earlier
1: in this conversation, you mentioned your signature piece, the money. Autobiography. Right. Um, now, uh, where could someone who wanted the uh, the guide to to just really spend uh, a week or two uh, reflecting on their relationship with money? Where could they find the uh, kind of guidance that a uh, that you have available to them for a, writing a spiritual autobiography?
2: Yeah. Well, there's a couple couple ways to do it. You can get the guide for a free download on our website, faiththemoneynetwork.org. Um, you can um, join one of our online groups and do it with a group. You can do it with me. You can work with it, and I'm happy to to work with you. Uh, and if you want to go deeper, we have a a money mentoring program. Some folks really want to spend some concerted time talking with somebody uh, that where they can really go deep into. Their own relationship to money and their family they might be facing some big decisions of everything from uh inheritance to uh wanting to change jobs and and uh you know to how to raise kids in this crazy era And mm-hmm. so it, it's more like spiritual direction that that we i do and a few others on our on our board do as well so there, there's lots of ways people can go deeper with that um, well, good. I would, like, I would
1: just really like to encourage people in the, in the Simpler One Earth Living uh, audience uh, to do this. I've written a couple of money autobiographies in my life, and um, I'm probably overdue for another one at this point, just to, to renew my own reflection on where I am at this stage of life regarding money, because I I always found it to be valuable. And then, as you say, to share it with another person, uh, not uh, is is another really good step it isn't required but it's another really good step and uh so i would think that people in our jubilee circles and 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 throughout our uh network it's something i would like to encourage and and um so i hope that i hope that you'll uh well are you're agreeable to our 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 uh, raising that up i'm sure
2: oh please yeah the yep yeah, and it's it's not as threatening as people tend to think. It's really just a way to look at your own histories and mm-hmm. and to think about how you react to money uh, situations. And it's um, people end up saying it's one of the you know it's actually some fun to think. It can be mm-hmm. a little painful. You've probably heard the saying, the truth will set you free, but first it may make you miserable. <laughs> and uh, some folks uh, find that, but uh, if they stick with it and come out the other end, there's some real, you know, points towards freedom, which is what we're trying to, you know, move people towards to be free around their relationship to money.
1: Yeah, it's, uh when we really reflect on our lives, it, it, it's, well, we can, <laughs> we've lived so long with this. Reality of having to have money or acquisition that we can forget how imprisoning enslaving that becomes uh, uh, and it yeah. it uh, strikes me that one of the key phrases when jubilee uh, when Jesus begins to talk about his ministry of jubilee in luke four he just says you know to release the captives, and I think yeah. about the captivity that we have to a money system that is so terribly skewed to favor some and, and not all. And yeah. whether you're at the top or at the bottom of that, you can be a captive, um, for sure.
2: Um, yeah, and there's much shame and secrecy around it for on, both, yeah. on both ends. Mm-hmm. If you have too much, there can be shame. If you don't have enough, of course, there can mm-hmm. be shame because you feel like that's your fault and it's often not it's often the fault of the uh the economy and the way things are structured against folks yes
1: now you've mentioned some other aspects of your educational and training uh work um <clears throat> you've mentioned that you have a a study course which is online but uh and is that something you always teach or you have different teachers or how does that work? At
2: the moment, at the moment I do, um, we're we're doing about five a year, but um, we are hoping that it will really catch on. Last year was our first year with it, kind of our pilot year. Uh, we're in the middle of doing one right now, but you can sign up for them, you know, online and get on a waiting list for the next one. But our dream is that there can be, we have other people that can facil- facilitate them um and we were are working on a facilitator's guide so we don't want people to be dependent on us we want someone who's taken the class and says i want to take this to my church i want to facilitate it and just you know go 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 all over so um that's our that's our hope that there'd be a hundred of them going on a year you know around the
1: yes and now you've also um how you have a relationship with a with memphis seminary i think it is perhaps more than one but that's another aspect of your training work i believe
2: that's right you know we've had um people visit us uh over the years and many pastors come to talk and um most recently it 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 was just in our face again we had a group of uh about 20 uh, united methodist ministers visit and do some work with us and um w- we touched on the money autobiography for just an example not the whole thing but some questions from it and every single one of the uh pastors said we never got anything like this in seminary mm-hmm. and we wish we would have. and uh so w- we said let's let's see what we can do and we the seminarians are so busy you know that it's 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 uh but but I think there is a hunger right now like I haven't seen in a while. And um, we reached out, we're doing uh, our second class with the Memphis Seminary uh, and we're going to soon be working with the Lancaster Seminary and uh, hopes for for more because it's, you know, to be able to not just talk about budgets, which are important, um, but how do you talk about budgets? First of all, can you make it into a narrative and how do we help people move from a kind of, pay the bills culture to a live the vision yeah. because people don't give to, they don't want to give to um, keeping the, you know, getting new green carpet mm-hmm. or even the parking lot. those are things that have to be done, but there needs to be uh, a reason why people give. And how do you preach a prophetic word about money when your salaries are in the pews? How do you do that? You need help. You need uh, a, a group of others. So, we're we're really hoping that that uh, more seminaries will um, take advantage of of what we have to offer. Something that most are not not doing. They are doing more on finance and budgets, and that's great. But um, to be able to learn how to talk to your parishioners, to to build this culture of possibility in your church, to see the budget, you know, if my dad was a pastor and he dreaded the yearly budget meeting more than just about anything because people started vying for power and you know and complaining and whining, you know and uh we've seen some churches do some most amazing work because yeah. they've they've as you have said earlier stewardship is not a campaign it's a way of life and how do we build that culture into the and it starts with the you know with some training too
1: yeah i, I loved uh a phrase as an at least as, uh, that you used. At least in the way I remember using it was, it's not about giving to a budget. It's about living a vision. Yeah. And um, when that sinks into our consciousness, it's like, wow, that really that really is a shift. Uh, yeah. Say yeah. A little, say a little bit more about what you what's actually the content. So in the Memphis uh, seminary, uh, you're not a credit course. I take it. Uh, it how does that work?
2: Yeah, well, you have to have a professor on record who, who really teaches the class, but we do it together. I see. And we come in um, right now. Dr. Fakisha Gunn is the professor uh, who's working with us, and she is uh, preparing. She's, we work together to come up with the um, 12-week class, mm. and uh, she's doing the first um, three or four and then we're doing uh, nine afterwards, um, and uh, so we just building that relationship's been so much fun. Mm-hmm. And and then we're we're also um, like I think with the Lancaster Seminary, the hope is that we'll not just work with the seminarians, but with pastors who have been through there mm-hmm. and are now out into the into the parishes and are fine. You know, the honeymoon's over, and they're looking for for some more guidance and, and, uh, how, how to, how to talk about money. So some yes. kind of extra,
1: I think that would be, for that would be the place where, where the listening to what you say in faith and money network, or what we'd say in Jubilee for that matter, where the listening to it is, is deeper. Those who've had some experience working with this, with a group of people, congregation or otherwise, and then, um, Knowing that what they're doing is doesn't exactly feed the souls of 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 people, and so to to, to shift it into something that's more like spiritual direction, uh, yeah, that's right, that's and right. spiritual nurture is boy, that's a powerful powerful shift, Michael, and I can see why. Uh, yeah, people would really appreciate really appreciate going there with you.
0: We'll return momentarily to our conversation. Canceling student debt is in the news. How are you thinking about it all? Here's a reminder that canceling or forgiving debt is core to living One Earth Jubilee. The central reason is to restore people to full participation in life, freeing one another from the restraints debt imposes year after year after year by saying, that's enough. Reshape your life to be fully about what your community needs. One Earth Jubilee fully supports freeing people to live without educational debt. And we take this moment to salute Jubilee USA, an organization that has been working on forgiving debts of poor countries imposed to them by wealthier countries. Those debts are not repayable, but guarantee that those countries will remain poor forever, preventing them from ever bringing their wisdom to the well-being of the community of nations. And now Jubilee USA is urging cancellation of student debt, which averages $30,000 per graduate, plus loans their parents may have made to support the education of their children. Their website says, total student loan debt in the United States is over $1.6 trillion. That's more than all of the American credit card debt, and nearly as much as the credit card debt and auto loan debt combined. Jubilee USA works to change these statistics by bridging religious, political, and generational divides to promote responsible student lending and borrowing and stop predatory student loan and debt collection practices. Check out their website, which is jubileeusa.org slash student underscore debt. One Earth Jubilee, by the way, is a Southern California affiliate of Jubilee USA. Now we return to our conversation with Mike Little.
1: I want to ask a, a little different question. Um, even though there's, I'm, I, I my interest in what else you do in the seminary course, you know, topic by topic is where I'd go with you, but we don't, we won't take that time right here. Um, in your emails, you have a signature quote from Wendell Berry. Yeah. It says, a change of heart or of values without a, without a practice is only another pointless luxury of a passively consumptive way of life. I want to read that again. A change of heart or of values without a practice is only another pointless luxury of a passively consumptive way of life. Um, so... Um, You've said some things about this, but um, how do you get to the practice with uh, you know, the seminary course, the, the uh, money biography, the online course that you do? Um, how do you make that connection, Mike?
2: Yeah. Again, its, it's um, starts on an individual basis. It, uh, um, uh, it can I, I've just seen people, We also have another saying that we we try to help people move from general desires to specific actions. Um, And uh, and from kind of the secrecy and shame to openness and vulnerability, from the mindset of scarcity to one of abundance and sufficiency, and from a limited solidarity to a total solidarity. Those are our kind of four. And the last one, from general desires to specific actions, are, uh, you know, we're looking for times when people can really who want to act um you know we we do these trips of perspective uh i'm just thinking that we've been going to um learn about mountaintop removal strip mining in in appalachia in southwest corner of virginia just uh, that's another whole show about about uh talk about an economy of extraction and, mm-hmm. and just destroying over 500 mountains have been blown to pieces in in uh, in Appalachia and Kentucky and Tennessee and, and Virginia, and, you know, for greed for, for coal. And uh, we, we took, uh, I think she was 88 at the time, went on one of these trips. She was got so fired up and she's done her own work with money, but she came back, she put a presentation together. She got into churches all over Northern Virginia. She started lobbying Congress. She started going to protests where the coal plants were starting. I mean, you know, it, it was through the relationship she met people. So mm-hmm. you know, you read the newspaper differently when you when you actually meet people that have. And you know this from your work in Mexico.
1: But, too. but that's okay. So, keep keep talking, brother. Keep preaching.
2: <laughs> so so you know, how can we introduce people to, to places that might be uncomfortable um, at first? But um, really, that's how we build the beloved community. We mm. we uh, go across those. Cross those lines. Um, worked with a, a friend for for a long time here at the Church of the Savior in our our church community, who uh, comes from a family business and and uh, came into quite a bit of money. And um, I was so uh, amazed at him because he connected. You know Andy Loving. You've interviewed mm-hmm. Susan Taylor and their work at Just Money Advisors. He took his money out of the bank. You know his it was family money. And when his dad gave it to him, he also gave him his investors. Where it was that black box investing, right? Where you just put the money in and whoever's using it for their own game doesn't matter. And this young man, I'm telling you, he took his money out of there at kind of a risk going to his dad's people and saying, I want to move my money to places where it's going to do some good. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he gets, you know, uh, these big chunks of money from from stock that he'll sell and he just gives it a either gives it away or he puts it in places where it can do some really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean talk about general desire to specific actions. Um Jeff Street Church Baptist Church in uh, uh Louisville Kentucky is one of my favorite stories small church maybe 50 60 people and uh you know their annual budget might be like sixty thousand dollars and uh They decided to um, put their money together and and, uh, deposit in uh, an international Christian fund uh, that provides capital to small microfinance groups Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, banks. And so they gave very small but powerful loans to to poor folks. And um, they ended up, you know, one person put their little piece in and then another one and then another one ended up. Collecting one hundred eighty thousand dollars, three times their budget, to go to to this international fund, money that they can get back, and they at times they needed to when their kids mm-hmm. went to school. You know, it, it's doing good with the money you don't give away, right? And they ended up uh, that money that they didn't give away and put in in that fund over the years provided more than five thousand loans, mm-hmm. who oftentimes doubled their salary because they were able to, you know, go to that. Uh, market and sell their and have a little, a little market stall and sell their food. I mean, little things like that give me such hope. Oh yes, they're not little, but they're they're actually yeah, good.
1: they're they're not little, but it 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 shows that the that the people you're talking about have moved from I can't do much of anything, the problem's too big, to yeah. working with what I have, and yeah. pooling it with some others and working communally and democratically and. A lot can happen. Yeah. We don't have to be Elon Musk to make a lot of good happen. So um, it's very, very, very powerful examples. I think, I think we just, uh, yeah, all the strategies we can come to that because so many people, I believe have the desire as, as I do have a desire to do things differently, to have some impact, uh, but we're not sure that we have what we need to bring, or enough to make a difference. And so, I love stories like that, Mike. Um, yeah. And maybe you have others. I don't know. We're getting to the sort of the end of this conversation, so I want to make sure that you have um, the opportunity to uh, add anything else in before we we wrap up that you would really love to share with the folks, uh, because I've loved all these examples, and I can imagine that um, we're going to be tapping into a couple of the things we talked about.
2: I would just say to folks that there there are no heroes in this work. Sometimes you might think, I can't do anything. Uh, We all have our next step to do towards moving towards God's economy of Mm -hmm. enough for all um and your step might be different than mine you're in a different situation you may need to give more i might need to keep more at this time to be Mm -hmm. faithful to what i got going Mm -hmm. i can some people can uh sell their cars because they don't need to and and do public transportation others can't do that because of their situation Um, um but you know so i would say don't um you know always know there's a next step for you and it doesn't have to be um, what it is for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's the easy way out for us. Like, Oh, there's just too many. These people are making such these big decisions. I can never do that. Don't let that, don't let that get you. You can, Mm -hmm. you can make a, make a move and you can't, I think the biggest thing, you can't do this by yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, if you don't have anyone, that's where we can help. We want to try to help. You can start with us. And uh, we want to try to help you. We have friends around the country like you all. And no matter where you are, I bet we can try to connect you with somebody <clears throat> that might want to do some similar work with you uh, as well. So,
1: And we'd be happy to have you connect anyone
2: with uh, what we're doing. In, in oh, I do. I do. We have a great resource. And, you know, that's another thing. Right. I think it's important to remember, we can't be all things to all people. We have our niche at Faith and Money Network, you have yours. And I love being a connector and referring people to mm. to uh, other folks because we can't do everything and we shouldn't. It's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. over we have a saying, you know, overcommitment is ultimately undercommitment mm. to what you've been called to do and yes. what God has called you. And so um saying no isn't easy, but uh, you know, but that's where having uh, a community of resources like you all Uh, and and others where we can make those connections.
1: Well, I can see that uh, as we've talked here in in the last part of this conversation, that um, people certainly are shifting paradigms. They're shifting how they think about their faith into a very different way, how they're thinking about finance in a very different way. And um, I'm glad to see that the level of change is is to that degree in the work of of Faith and Money Network, so that's really powerful, Mike. Thank you, Lee. Uh, So thank you so much for this time, and we look forward to sharing this with others and to sharing with you again, so uh, thank you for being part of of this podcast episode.
0: Thank you, Lee. You've been listening to Mike Little and Lee Van Ham talking about Faith and Money Network. Have you listened to our other recent episodes? In November, How Empowering Women Changes the World. December, Will O'Brien on Peace on Earth and the Politics of Christmas. In January, Grace Durness on Planning Economic Revitalization with poor people instead of for them. In February, Economist Barry Shelley on Economic Assumptions and Initiatives for Change. Do listen. You're sure to pick up thoughts you'll value. We certainly did as we created those episodes. You can subscribe to this podcast under the name Simple Living Works at your favorite podcast service. Individual episodes are available at Jubilee's new website, OneEarthJubilee.com, and also SimpleLivingWorks.org, window number three. Urge your friends to do the same. You're welcome to subscribe to Simple Living Works' various free publications. For our monthly e-news, send subscribe to simplelivingworks at yahoo.com. For our weekly email that provides brief, daily, simpler living nudges, send nudge to the same address, simplelivingworks at yahoo.com. Please tell us your thoughts on the subjects in this episode. Leave a message on Jubilee One Earth Economics and Simple Living Works Facebook pages. Until next time, this is Jerry Iverson of Simple Living Works with co-host Lee Van Ham of Jubilee One Earth Economics, wishing you well as we strive together to bring simpler one earth living into being for the common good.